Hi friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional, turned career coach, Forbes blogger, speaker, and now author of my own career book that has just released for pre-order on Amazon. You can probably guess the name as it's also called U-Turn, spelled Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. This book is all about getting unstuck, discovering your direction, and designing your dream career. I created the U-Turn podcast and wrote the U-Turn book with this goal of helping you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrading your confidence in work and in love. So if you're looking to get even more clarity beyond the podcast and even the book on where you belong in the workforce or you want to make a career pivot or just explore your purpose overall, we have a brand new free quiz to help you out with that. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com if you want to take it. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com for the free quiz. Also, I'm really excited to finally let you know that this episode has been brought to you by Organifi. I have fallen so in love with their smoothie protein, their chocolate, their vanilla, and also their green juice drink. I have both of these products every single day. And after years of declining and dodging sponsorship, because I didn't want to feel sticky promoting something to you, I decided that their products were so good, so transformative for my health and my morning routine that I reached out to them and asked if they wanted to sponsor the U-Turn show. So if you are inspired to upgrade your health during these uncertain times and you want products to add into your routine throughout the day, I just can't recommend them enough. I was able to get you a discount code for 15% off when you check out. All you gotta do is head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. It's spelled Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U, T-U-R-N. Make sure you enter the code U-Turn at checkout on their website. And now let's dive in to this week's episode. The mother wound is an internalized set of beliefs and patterns that originate from the dynamics that we have with our mothers that cause us to unconsciously limit and sabotage ourselves. What's going on, U-Turn friends? It's Ashley here, and I have someone on the podcast today who is going to talk to me about something that I get really scared to talk about, which is the mother wound. Um, And for those of you who don't know what it is, we are going to talk about how your relationship with your mother influences your belief system, your healing, your growth. And Bethany Webster, I figured, would be the perfect person to talk about this. She's on social media talking about it. She's a writer, a speaker, a coach, and she has a book coming out in January 2021 called Discovering the Inner Mother, all about healing your mother wound. So I'm going to talk to her about this concept, tell you a little bit about where I'm at with it, and see if we can support you in healing through your relationship with your mom or your caretaker. Bethany, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Ashley. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I um, I listened to a podcast when I was uh, that you were on when I was having a really like just I have such a beautiful mother, but we have been having such challenges as of late, and I I sought it out like I was just looking for information on relationships with mothers, and I came across you inevitably. And I'm curious if you could tell everybody what is a mother wound and what got you interested in this kind of work. Sure. Yeah. So the term mother wound 
has been mentioned here and there, you know, in different books by women like Chris Jane Northrup and Adrian Rich, but no one had really fleshed out exactly what this term is. So I started a blog back in 2014 and started talking about the mother wound, just coming out of my own experience. But basically I defined it. I've defined what the mother wound is, how it shows up in our lives, why it's important we heal it, and also a healing journey. I have a seven-step process that I teach. But in a nutshell, the way that I define the mother wound is on actually four different levels. Uh, the The personal level is really the biggest one, and it's really about you know, the mother wound is an internalized set of beliefs and patterns that originate from the dynamics that we have with our mothers that cause us to unconsciously limit and sabotage ourselves. Mm. So it's basically, you know, a lot of it is super unconscious. Uh, It's really the intersection of how, you know, we live in a patriarchy, which doesn't value women, you know, it values us to a lesser degree. So And in many ways, our mothers taught us how to survive in a patriarchal world. And for many of us, that means, you know, not rocking the boat, not being too big, put other people's needs before your own, you know, all these beliefs of how to stay safe and survive as a woman in this world. And a lot of our mothers passed along these beliefs, um, some in very unintentionally and, and, you know, innocently to protect us, keep us safe. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are mothers who are deeply wounded themselves, you know, and, and struggling. And so it's really a combination between um, cultural wounding and personal, you know, trauma. Um, So it it goes through, you know, generations of women and we all have it, you know, to some degree. Um, So the personal level is really about how it got passed down to us from our own mothers. And then there's also the cultural mother wound, which is really the larger culture we live in that dominates much of the world. um, That's really power over and then we see it all over. We're living in this time where we're seeing patriarchal institutions crumbling and falling apart. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why the mother wound is increasingly becoming an urgent issue for women. We're seeing that the problems in the world are also within us. And it's about taking, you know, not only personal responsibility for our place to make a positive contribution in the world, but also how that links with intergenerational trauma. And so as we heal ourselves, we heal the world. And so the spiritual is the third level, the spiritual mother wound. And that's all about how, you know, any disruptions or problems in our relationships with our mothers from an early age impact how much we feel we can trust, you know, trust life, trust our bodies, trust other people, and also trust a higher power, like how we fit into the larger cosmos and the universe. And so the mother wound can impact, you know, our sense that we belong as part of life. So that's a kind of more existential level of the mother wound. And then the final fourth level is the planetary mother wound because the planet itself is our mother provides and gives us life. And so, you know, planetary level, the mother wound is about, you know, the ways that we've been harming the planet through, you know, deforestation, the extinction of species, exploiting resources, all of those things have to do with that planetary level of the mother wound, but it really all comes down, Ashley, to the personal, you know, the, when each of us does our own work on this, it's not just, you know, personal, it, it really has ripple effects and that's, what's so inspiring about it. And so urgent about it, because if we avoid this, we're really avoiding 
we're not really getting to the root. And that's my passion is really helping women get to the root because what we're talking about with the mother wound is really our blueprint for ourselves, you know, like our very core beliefs and patterns that we inherited and that became deeply woven into the fabric of who we feel ourselves to be. So it's super deep, profound, long-term work, but it's, it's really important. And I appreciate you so much opening up this conversation and, and being so like transparent about how this is, you know, an issue that is tough for you because it certainly was for me as well. Um, for years and years, I avoided looking at this. I was actually in therapy, I think for five years before I even started to tap into this. Um, but once I did, it was kind of like a process of elimination. You know, I was looking into spiritual work. I was doing all kinds of stuff just I didn't want to go here, but I found that ultimately I needed to, I I realized that the dynamics with my mom were impacting me in terms of my relationships with my body, with romantic relationships, you know, career stuff. Um, everything was touched by these kind of core beliefs and core patterns that I kept replicating and I couldn't seem to kick, you know, they were so entrenched. And then I was like, okay, I guess I have to really look at this. And then when I committed to doing it and had the support that I needed, it's like everything changed. And I, I looked around and I was like, why isn't anyone talking about this? Like, this is core, this is crucial. And so I became super passionate, started a blog in 2014 and my work immediately kind of got international attention and women started writing me all over the world saying, oh my God, I'm dealing with this too. Thank you for voicing this, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I, that's kind of the story. Yeah. How we got here. I find it, it's probably really hard for a lot of people to bring up because your mother does so much for you, even if there's, even if there's disconnect in the relationship or limitation that's been infused into you or competition. So I'm curious, what different forms have you seen the mother wound take with different clients or people you've worked with so that maybe everybody listening could get a little bit more of a flavor of, of the variety that of ways that this can look. Absolutely. Yeah. And it does have a lot of different manifestations. And and I think that's part of the problem is that a lot of us have this, but we're misattributing it to other things, but it can show up in many different ways. Things like competition, comparison, chronically feeling not good enough, you know, body image, food stuff, um, Mm -hmm. any kind of addictions, relationship problems that keep repeating, um, Mm -hmm. with themes around abandonment, like feeling abandoned and also things like feeling invaded, you know, or feeling afraid of commitment or afraid of deep intimacy can be also, even though it's an opposite kind of symptom, it can still be related to the mother wound. But there's also things like, um, like, you know, as I got into the world of entrepreneurship, I also noticed a lot of the women, I you know other women leaders and speakers and coaches and authors, it was operating at the highest levels of leadership. And I was shocked to see this, but I think it's because we can link, you know, this feeling like, for example, not being able to take action or feeling analysis paralysis or procrastination or fears about going to the next level in our work. Um, they seem like they're related to business. They seem like, you know, it's like, or just an issue around beliefs, letting go of old beliefs, but the, the way what it comes down to, it really comes down to Rachel safety, inner safety. And for the inner child, which is kind of like, you know, inner child work has been around since the seventies. 
and it's, it's definitely powerful, powerful work, but the work I do kind of takes it to the next level around inner mothering, how we mother ourselves. And, and we are like our algorithm for safety was developed in the relationship with our mothers. So if we have a, if we grew up feeling like, oh, it's not safe for me to speak my truth, I will get punished or humiliated or withdrawn from that. I'm going to hold back. You know, that's a deep pattern that will stick with us. Or if there's a sense that, you know, if, if I'm successful, this is something I struggled with. If I'm really successful and happy, then I must be taking away from someone else because there's always someone else who's not doing well. And it's my job to take care of them. So if I'm really successful, I'm, that means I'm abandoning someone. Mm. So that came to me from like my mother, you know, she was always a little bit jealous of me and it took me decades to admit this to myself, but there was this sense that she didn't want me to be too powerful, too happy, too content. You know, it was like, be smart, but not too smart, be pretty, but not too pretty. And there was a constant double bind. It's like, I could never feel okay in my own skin. And I didn't, it took me forever to get to the root of what that was about, but ultimately it was you know, my mother's identity and how I triggered her. And, um, I totally thought it was all about me. There's something wrong with me. There's gotta be something wrong with me that I have to fix, but it was really unfixable. It was just, you know, the relationship with my mom and her own stuff got in the way of, but I had to tease that out. So it really kind of comes down to the safety that we felt as kids, what that looked like and how we're replicating that unconsciously now. The inner child is like a living energy that lives inside of us, right? It's like, she, I like to say that she's the gatekeeper of our upper limits. You know, that book, the, there's a famous book that everybody, mm-hmm. yeah, the big leap. So, you know, the whole time I'm reading that book, I'm like, oh my God, this is so mother wound issues because for women, because, you know, if the little girl inside of us, if we reach a point where that algorithm of safety kicks in and it's like, oh, I'm not going to be safe if I go beyond this level of happiness, this level of success, it could mean abandonment. It could mean, yeah, usually it's, it comes down to some form of abandonment. Then I don't want to go there. So we self-sabotage, we hold back, we limit. And uh, so we typically go to other things to fix it, right? We go to other self-help books. We might go to the spiritual route, but ultimately it's these algorithms of inner safety inside of us that keep us stuck. And so that's where the work I do comes in around helping women develop an inner bond with their inner child. So it's like mothering that child inside of us the way that we needed and deserved it rather than the way that we got it, you know, um, which is replicating that same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I have so many questions. Like, um, one term that I heard about was this idea of a fantasy bond. And it's this idea, Mm. I know you probably would know this, um, in therapeutic circles, I've learned that it basically means that somebody might have this idea of what their relationship with their parents is this fake sense or false sense of closeness that doesn't actually exist. And I don't know if I'm skewing that term, but it always resonated for me in that way because I think it creates a sense of safety for us when we can feel like, oh, we have this special bond with our family when in actuality, if we're being deeply honest with ourselves, there's some sort of disconnect or some sort of misunderstanding or some sort of mm. um, entity or, or habit or pattern going on that makes you actually, when you question it, say, I don't feel that connected to my family. And it can, and for me, I had this day where my mom re-entered the workforce. She owned a business for a lot of years and sold it. And it wasn't like the most successful sale. So she had to get back to work after she sold it. And it was so interesting to see her like nervous to have a job interview. Mm. And as a career expert, she's coming to me saying, Ashley, can you 
help me prepare for this. And it was one of the first times I saw my mom as like deeply human, you know, like scared to go into the workforce and asking for my help as somebody who's helped so many people with this. And, um, with her asking me, I was able to support her. And in that, I also felt a loneliness, like, oh my gosh, my mom isn't this invincible person that handle her life. Like things can happen and she might need me. And it's not the kind of need me like call and hang out. It's the kind of need me of like, maybe she can't get by with something and, and I'm who she can count on. And, And it was this very intimidating switch. Um, but you'd mentioned a lot of different things, um, for people to kind of ponder like competition, comparison, body food. You know, my mom was always on her next diet. So I was always also on my next diet when I was growing up. And Mm -hmm. I never identify with having had like an eating disorder or something like that, but food has been on my mind for a lot of my life. Like just making sure I don't get fat. I live in Los Angeles. It's not acceptable, whatever have you. Um, And lately what I've been going through, which has been really interesting and you didn't list it, is just feeling pain in my relationship with my mom because I don't feel like she understands me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't feel like she emotionally gets me. And um, she's an incredible listener and she's total like woman of God, like goes to church. I'm not really a churchgoer, but I believe I'm pretty spiritual and connected to something. And so when I, I turn to her, I, I might share vulnerably like a story of what's going on or a struggle I'm having in a relationship. And she tends to nod and even laugh like at the end of something that might be really deep. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's out of discomfort or coping or whatever her mechanism is. But the message that I got from that was don't share with her, you know? Right. And I've ever since been grieving that that desire to have a mom that I can really share with. And there's so many other older women that I feel really safe to not just share my feelings with, cause I feel like I could share my feelings with her, but that I'll be met with a curiosity or a, a, a mind that can hold it and give me something with it or validate it, or just take whatever depth I have and, and honor it in a way. Um, do you find this to be very common? Like women who oh, feel God. like so common, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's so, really, so common. Yeah. It's good to know. And it, it's visceral Bethany, because my book that I was telling you before we started recording comes out in January and it's, um, it's like a eat, pray, love meets lean in meets girl boss. It's very like a career book helping nice. you figure out life. Yeah. Figuring out where you belong in the workforce. It's called U-turn. Same name, name as the podcast. Um, but it's all about my 11 steps to get clarity on your career. And I share my story along the way to help people understand how I did the same thing and give, give them those tools. Yeah. Um, and in sharing my story, my mom's story is tacitly told mm-hmm. because sure. my story is part of her story. And, um, she's a very private person is the, is the thought she has on this and I'm not. And so, by me telling my story, she's feeling very exposed, even though there's really not much I say about her. Like she's just holding it very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like anybody who listens to U-Turn podcast and reads the book is going to be like, we don't get what she's saying. <laughs> but like for me, um, I've had to go into like these deep conversations with her, even see a therapist with her to work this out. And if anything, I, I left the conversations feeling more like, okay, you don't understand me. And I don't know if that's workable. I don't know if I could teach you how to understand me. So now I need to move into accepting you. And I think this piece of the journey is what I want to ask you about for everybody listening. 
is it, did you find that this tends to get to a point, this kind of point where it's like, I don't want to resign. I don't want my acceptance to be resignation. I don't want to resign in my relationship with her. I don't want to make her wrong for who she is, but I don't feel understood. And I'm realizing now as an adult, she might never be able to do that for me. So how do I find grace with this woman that has given everything to me, loves me, listens to me, cares, and just doesn't have the emotional bandwidth to hold my depth, you know? What would that mean to you to accept that? Yeah, I just think it's a loss, you know, like it's um it's a loss to accept that she can't do it because then I don't really want to call as often because what's the point of recounting all of these thoughts I'm having if she doesn't really know what to do with them? I'd rather if I need a soundboard, I could call her, but I'd rather a friend who can hold it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally hear you. It's it's what I hear you going through is actually one of the things I teach about, which is called giving up the impossible dream. So at mm. some point, you know, as daughters, you know, we, we love, if we have a good relationships with our, I kind of talk about a spectrum. There's, you know, one side of the spectrum is having really close relationships with your mom. And it sounds like you're on that spectrum, like that end of the spectrum where it's like a close supportive relationship. And then there's like the other side, um, which is, um, you know, a little more abusive and traumatic and severe on the other side. So, um, for those of us who are on like your side, Ashley, where things have been pretty harmonious overall, you know, it's like, we can reach a point as we, age and we get older, you know, and more mature in our own personal lives as adult women, we can reach this point where we start to realize like there's this increasing tension with the mother where she's not able to meet you, not able to meet you, not able to hear you, not able to see you. And so the challenge, the growing, the growth challenge is to really give up that dream that she can be that mother that you've always longed for. And a lot of us do something where we like contort ourselves. Like what I used to do was, be like, oh, I just have to explain it to her better. Or I just have to like, you know, maybe suggest books for her to read or, you know, maybe, you know, like constantly trying to change myself. That was my never ending goal was like, if I just change myself enough, then my mother's going to get me. She's going to understand me. She's finally going to show up for me. And, um, and then it's like giving up the impossible dream is really about what you described, which is accepting the limited capacity that our mothers have to meet us and see us accurately. This can be one of the hardest things that we go through as women because it touches on a lot of deeper things. Like, am I lovable? Am I acceptable? Like, what does this mean if my mother can't really be there for me? You know, um, it's like the, it touches on a deep place of inner safety because as girls, as little girls and young women, we've always just felt like our mothers would always be there and always show up for us. And when our mothers can't show up for us, it's like, am I okay? Like, you know, it can just be unsettling. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's an amazing opportunity in this, in this conundrum, because when we can accept, and it sounds like you're in the middle of that grieving process, actually, which is awesome. It sounds like you have great support. Yeah. We have to grieve. We have to grieve that our mothers can't be that mother that we long for, that we want, that we deserve, that we crave. Um, and as we grieve that, you know, we see our mothers as, you know, she's a human being with her own path, her own limitations and flaws and wounds and stuff. That's like her own stuff, right? It's like, we start to see, wow, my mother has her own stuff and, and also the limits to which she's willing to grow. I mean, that was the hardest thing for me. Um, I had a blow up like a really big blow up with my mother. And I tried everything. I was in therapy hour 
hours and hours of therapy trying to most empathically couch my truth in words that were non-threatening and, and, and she, my mother was just like, saw it as a complete attack. She was just like, I have no daughter. I don't know you, you know, because I wasn't the good girl anymore. I wanted to be an individual. I wanted to be on equal footing and she just couldn't handle it. So it's like, we can go through different, I call it a rupture, a rupture of the mother line. And it's part of becoming, a, there's an article I wrote, it's called the, the rupture of the mother line and the cost of becoming real. Mm. What a lot of us do, Ashley, in this kind of situation is we just go back. We're just like, okay, I'm just gonna, there must be something wrong with me. So it's just going back to perpetual self-blame as a way to cope with not wanting to grieve the loss of the mother that we thought we had. And that's yeah. a tragedy. So that's why, you know, I think it's really great. You have support that you're actually actively grieving this. This is deeply uncomfortable stuff, but when we grieve it enough, the, the, the promise of this work is that we not only give our mothers permission to be their own women and uh, with their own path and their own flaws and their own challenges, but we get to be more real you know, so we don't have a fantasy bond anymore. We have a real bond. That's the, that's the opportunity. And in a real bond, we can be our real selves, like, and honor our real selves. So for example, in your case, and I think what you describe, a lot of women can relate to this. In your case, I think the opportunity for you is to be like, wow, I can't call my mom and be my real self with her. She, she has a real limit on what she can do for me. So I have to accept her limitations and interact with her within that framework and get my other needs met elsewhere. Mm-hmm. What that does is it helps you actually get your needs met in a way that just staying in that kind of hopeful place in the impossible dream, it would just keep you stuck. It would keep your mother stuck and it would kind of harm on a larger level, your own capacity and, you know, overall health and well-being and ability to thrive. So mm-hmm. by going through the process, you start to see yourself with more compassion. You can see her with more compassion and you can grow exponentially. And, and the frame of your relationship with your mother is no longer, longer a confinement of your, your potential. And, you know, you're no longer staying small for your mother, basically. Hey, U-Turners, I have a quick but important interruption here. I really want to acknowledge that during these uncertain times, we have got to focus on upping our immunity and staying well. If your physical body is limited, it's no secret that it gets really tough to be creative and live your purpose. And for a while, I felt a lot of fear that I or somebody I loved would catch COVID-19. And now I realize it is really time for all of us to shift our focus onto simply becoming as healthy as possible so that we're not impacted by anything that's floating in the air. And that is why I was so inspired to contact Organifi because I am really obsessed with their green juice product and their protein in the mornings and really just all their products. So I'm really touchy about promoting things to you and I can say with a full heart that their green juice is the secret sauce to my afternoon slump. So all you gotta do with their green juice powder is add water to it. It has 11 superfoods in it, everything from ashwagandha, which is used in Ayurvedic medicine in India, to moringa, which is an herb that keeps your skin glowing and detoxifies your body. It's organic. I just love their green juice so much. I asked them to give me a discount code for all their products that you could weave them into your daily routine too and upgrade your health. So just head on over to Organifi.com backslash U-Turn. That's spelled O-R-G 
A-N-I-F-I.com backslash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. So make sure you enter your U-turn code at the checkout on their website so you can get that 15% off. I am so obsessed with their products. I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. Now back into our episode. You know, what's come up for me is like how you were saying grieving the impossible fantasy. What was the exact? Um, the impossible dream. The impossible dream. Yeah. It's like, and, and, and it's interesting because I have a friend who has a mom. And sometimes when I look at her, she loves her mom. She posts about her mom on social media. Her mom is a really great woman. And her mom is very similar to mine. She's very light. She's very sweet. She cannot hold the depth that I know my friend has. And so sometimes I wonder like, how is she spending this much time with her mom? Because I almost feel like a flower that wants to bloom. And when I'm around my mom, it's like my flower can't bloom. Like I have so much I want to say and it it doesn't have a poem with her and and I I want it to, and she wants it to. That's the sad thing. I think she would love to be able to hold my thoughts and she just can't. And so once you kind of start grieving, which has been really, really heavy, and I've had to set a lot of boundaries with her that she's never faced. Like, you know, in my book, having to let her know that I will not fold my self-expression for her and I'm willing to lose any relationship in my life if it means that I have to taper my self-expression. And for her to feel that and realize, like, I'm not going to delete paragraphs of my book to make you feel private when there's, I don't agree, you know, and to to have my own opinion, um, it's been painful. And so I guess I'm wondering, like, how do you, cause you were saying the gift in all of it is kind of like forming that real bond, which feels really exciting to me. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like I have a mom that is a really great woman. And I know a lot of people feel like maybe they don't feel that way about their mom. So it's like, how do you start forging that real relationship when you feel so much grief? Like, I just saw her the other day and it was so beautiful to see her, but I felt so guarded and like, I, she loves me so much. She just wants to be around me. And, and that's another question I have is around like over responsibility. So once somebody starts to forge a real relationship with their mom, you know, in my case, it means not spending as much time together sometimes. How does somebody not be over-responsible and feel extraordinary guilt for not being there for their parents or their mom when, you know, it's kind of like when you get to that older age, like my mom or my dad have, we're their life. Like their kids are their life. All they want to do is live where we are, be with us. And when my truth is, Hey, I love you. And it's not that fun for me to hang out with you this often. How does somebody forge that new relationship without holding guilt for not giving them what they might want out of it? Yeah, absolutely. Excellent question. And and the answer is, the short answer is that it's a process. It's a process of figuring out what are your new boundaries now that you're grieving the lack of, you know, the true capacity that your mother has now that you are becoming aware of it and you're grieving that it's way less than you want and need, um, that you would like, you know? Um, so it's like, what are those new boundaries? That's part of the discovery. You know, what can you share with her? Uh, what do you no longer, you know, what's not safe? What's not okay. Um, so getting those kind of parameters sketched out for yourself and then starting to live into them. So it's like a middle way. It's the way of, you're not pushing away, but you're not clinging, and you're not being overly responsible, but you're finding this, this new ground. It's like crafted from scratch, but it's crafted around your sense of worth and your sense of safety. 
And part of that, the new element that needs to come into play that probably hasn't yet, but is um, in your case now, is taking in the fact that you, the new boundaries that you need have to be formed around this belief that your mother is her own separate being and that she has her own path. She has her own journey and you can't be responsible for her feelings, her happiness, her, you know, that truly is not your business. It's not your responsibility. It's hers. And that's yeah. a hard one. That's a that's real hard, hard one yeah. for people to take in. Cold. Yeah. And it, it feels true and it feels cold as well. And I, I don't know how anybody listening could cope with, you know, maybe at the beginning of this episode, they kind of identified with the list you said of com- competition, comparison, body, food, not good enough, relationship problems, addiction, all of these things that can come safety you know, a lot of stories about safety and feeling safe in your relationships in your life. You know, you're saying your mom is the gatekeeper of your upper limits. And I'm sure that as I brought up the fantasy bond and how some people kind of lie to themselves and say, I'm really close to my family. It's this idyllic thing. When deep down, it's like, I have a really great family. I, I've gone on family trips every single year. My friends love my family. They're a really good time. And I don't feel understood. I don't feel like I can go deep with them. I don't feel like I can really tell them how I'm doing if it's not good. Um, you know, and, and, and so finding a home for saying, I've got new boundaries. You're your own being when your mother has like poured everything into you. You know what I mean? Like I'm her life. And it's not that I chose to be, but I, I am me and my brother. And how, how does somebody start to really sink into that belief of like, she is her own person and it's okay for me. And, and also the guilt of like, she's older and, and we've got coronavirus and so much going on in the world right now. To, there's like this extraordinary guilt of like, she's older and I want to spend time with her. And how do I find that joy? So what are some steps to actually creating the relationship you want with your mom? Like I said, start out, you could do a different approach. What are the things that, that are really, are the, like the times and the situations in which you really feel confined or that are not okay with your mother. What is, what are those situations? Like literally write them out, you know, mm. that your mother wants to see you three times a week, or she wants to call you on a daily basis, or, you know, what are the things that are causing you to feel invaded and over, like you have to over function for her, like make a list mm. of those things, get super duper clear on it. And then mm. the second thing I ask people to do, like a second step is what is your ideal? Like get clear on what kind of relationship do you want? Like, what is it going to be like healthy though? I'm not talking about the fantasy anymore, but like the actual healthy boundaries that you need, that's a second list, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like, I really would just like to talk to her like once a week, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe see her once a month, maybe keep the, the conversations more superficial, like, you know, love you. Great to see you. The weather's good. How are you held it up? You know, keep it superficial. And maybe, you know, it's usually for women, that's what it is because a lot of the times the tension comes from this, this fault line, which is basically that there's a line in your relationship with your mother where you don't feel like you can be authentic. Some Mm -hmm. level, the mother is asking you to be a false self to keep her comfortable and to keep her feeling okay in her identity. Like, don't threaten me. Don't, you know, there's this lot of unspoken stuff, like an iceberg with our mothers, right? So it's Mm -hmm. usually some variation on where do you feel like you have to be a false self for your mother? Mm -hmm. And usually this has some kind of reverberations in the culture. Everybody take care of their mother. You know, your mother gave you life. You only have one mother, you, you know, all these guilt inducing. And I talk about this in my process as well. There's a whole cultural slew of 
a cultural wound that says mothers are either all good or they're all bad. And so where does this leave us as women trying to be empowered and be authentic? Well, we can't, there's no place for us to put our authentic emotions about our mothers. That's where the guilt comes in, but you have to refuse it. It's really an artifact of patriarchy that says women are totally responsible for relationships. They don't have a voice. If you're a good daughter, you're silent. You know, we have to rebel against these things. You know, there's, there's no way to be a good girl and heal you know, you have to actually break, be willing, you have to be courageous. So I think it's like, yeah, what are the things that are painful with your mother? What do you really want? What's the healthiest thing, the healthiest scenario that you can come up with right now? And then the third question is really the, you know, what is a step that you can take right now that's in the middle, right? So it's all about, you kind of have to li- like, like a muscle, like when you're working out, you can't go right to, if you haven't worked out in a year, you can't go right to 15 pound weights. You have to start yeah. small. So this is the equivalent of like a two pound or three pound weight. So what's the first step you can take to start to assert um, gently and firmly in a way that's not too huge, that it's going to cause like a huge conflict or disruption, but not too little that you still feel like you're being, um, you know, put in a painful situation. So it's got to be in the middle somewhere. So maybe it's like, you know, you wait a day before you re- reply to your mother's email, you know, rather than right away. Or maybe it's, you know, you stay on the phone 15 minutes instead of an hour. Um, you know, so there's, there's a way that you can find and you start, that's how you start. You take a little step, one or two steps like that, and then you see how it goes. So it's like kind of a dialectic process where you try something and then you see what happens and what comes up for you. And you you might be like, you know, I think I actually can talk to her twice a month. You know, that went well, or it could be like, like in my case, I set one little boundary with my mother and hell broke loose. So you, it's, it's, un, it's unclear to tell at the outset what's going to happen. So you have to have some, that's why support's really important and mm-hmm. just, um, self-care super important. And, um, yeah, that, that's basically like a quick three-step process. Yeah. So like started. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah, yeah really useful. And I, I know that I always have note takers on here, which is really exciting because they'll be taking these notes. And I'm, I'm curious, like when you're helping people, I know you have a course around the mother wound. Um, what are some of the most common challenges that you're seeing them have? Is there some sort of thread where you're like, this seems to just be the most common thing that most women are going through with their moms? Yeah, there are a lot of common threads. Um, I would say the most common thread is, is kind of like a little bit like what you said, but there's many, many variations of them. And it's some version of, I notice that when I'm, well, it, it, number one is probably guilt. The sense that I feel guilty if I want to out, step outside the lines of my relationship with my mother, you know, the ways we interact, I want to change that. And I'm feeling really guilty about it, or I'm feeling really guilty because my mother drives me crazy. And I, I'm trying to cope and I'm it's the problems with her are starting to spread out into different parts of my life. Um, or there's also, I have a great relationship with my mom, but my life is falling apart. You know, people who aren't yet con- totally conscious yet that, cause I guarantee you, when you have deep stress in relationships with your in the relationship with your mom, it shows up in other places. It's never just localized here in, in the relationship with your mother. It shows up everywhere. That's kind of the good news and the bad news. It's a, it's good news because it means when you work on this issue, you're working on every issue in your life. That's one of the reasons why this is so empowering 
and inspiring because we're working with our root sense of self. Like for you, Ashley, I'm sure as you start to assert more and more of your authenticity in your relationship with your mother, you're going to see huge leaps forward in other areas of your life, right? There might be other places where you hold back or where you feel overly responsible. But when you start to like on the landscape, this, this ground of our work with our mothers, it, it's really it just has these amazing tendrils and that go into different areas. Um, so a lot of the time I help women make that link between what the problem is in their daily life with their mother. And we either come in a couple different angles. It's actually what's the repeating problem in your life. And then that usually has some root in the mother with relationship with your mother, or mm. there's some problem with your mother that has other roots in your life. So we, I kind of come at different angles, depending upon where people are. Another one I see a lot is people who say, my mother seems to be really happy when I'm not doing well, but when I'm doing really well, she seems to be getting worse. Mm. So there's actually like a kind of, it sounds almost parasitic or something, but like, there's no way that the mother and the daughter can be equally happy, equally powerful, equally separate. Um, and that usually indicates some level of a codependency or some level of enmeshment, which patriarchy in the atmosphere we grow up in as, as women, as you know, it, it kind of fosters that sense that we feel solidarity with our mothers, but often, and especially in older generations, mothers, like our mothers or grandmothers, great grandmothers, they didn't have the tools or the fortitude to do deeper work on themselves, right? They weren't as conscious of their stuff or they found unhealthy coping mechanisms, or they, you know, buried themselves in their children. You know, my mother used to say to me, you're my best friend. You're my life. You're my everything. Well, that used to make me feel important. And like, I could always be there for my mother, but actually that was a total, that was a total, um, like problem because I started to feel responsible for everyone. I started to feel like I didn't have a voice. So she thought she was loving me and she believed she loved me so much, but actually I was saddled with way more than any child should have been saddled with. I had to fight her fights for, with my father. I had to protect my brother. I was the mediator in the family. So a lot of our mothers don't, you know, they don't necessarily have the self insight Mm -hmm. um, and that's a cause for compassion for sure. You know, like it's, they just didn't have the tools or the, the wherewithal or whatever, but that's not an excuse. We can't be the sacrificial lamb to our mother's pain. We can't say, Oh, you know, come over my house whenever you want, stay as long as you want, dump your problems on me. I'm good. No, we can't do that. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I see us as the generation where we're starting to say, really find those healthy boundaries. Um, yeah. Well, this brings me to a question about like communicating with your mom throughout this process, because I think a lot of women are probably resonating men, you know, I, I guess the mother knows no gender. Um, mm -hmm. it's like listening to this and they're probably thinking, yeah, I'm going to do these steps. And for those of you taking notes, I wrote it down. It was write down the situations that make you feel invaded or confined, and then, or, or make you over-functioning. I love that you said that. The second mm -hmm. thing you said was ask yourself, what do I need? What are my boundaries? And the third is what is a step I can take today? That's perhaps in the middle, which I think are really powerful questions. But from there, is there anything you recommend around talking to your mom? Because I find that if these changes are happening and you're wanting to rewrite your relationship with your mom, it feels very likely that your mom is going to say like, what is going on? Like, where'd you go? I know that I can feel, and it was heartbreaking for me just this week to feel her feeling my wall that I have up. 
what can some people do? Because I love my mom. I want her to feel loved and I want to also communicate and, and be where I need to be. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, and I, I hear this from women so much that when they take space from their mothers, any degree, and it's going to be different for everybody, right? So there's no like one answer, but I will definitely give you guidance on how to find that sweet spot for you and how to communicate that. Um, but I have to say just out the gate that women, when women take space from their mothers in these kind of relationships, there's almost always a big breath of relief. Like, wow, like, feeling more connected with themselves, more clarity, more lightness, more spaciousness with themselves and in other areas. So it's really important. Like, even if you take that space, isn't there that heaviness of like, oh, and then there's my mom who's like this beautiful soul that like, doesn't know what's going on or misses me. Yeah. Here's what I recommend. I I recommend to keep it super simple in your communication with her. You could say it simply like, I love you, mom. And I need a little space right now. Um, I'll get back to you when I'm, you know, have more time or something like that. Or you could be more specific, like I'll get back to you next week or, um, you know, I love you and, um, I'm really got a lot of stuff going on. You know, I'll touch base with you when I have more time, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, some variation of that. Why does Mm -hmm. this work? Number one, you're telling her you love her, like we're good. And number two, it just gives you the ability to communicate with her on your own terms in your own timeline. Is your mother going to be happy with that? No, she probably won't. And, you know, if she's one of those who's like really going to, you might want to give her a time say, I'll reach it back out to you next Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you start to be at the wheel here in really being like the authority on when is right and best for you to communicate with her rather than being at her beck and call and having it be super loose where she's coming and going and it's on her terms. So you want to start to assert, you know, like, I love you, mom, but I need a little space right now. I've got a lot going on. I'll reach out to you. You know, I'll circle back to you as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of like not giving a date or a time because it gives you even more freedom. So try that you know, and your mom might be like, Oh, what's wrong. You may be like, you know, just keep it vague. Why keep it vague? At least in the beginning, because you, what you actually need is more time to connect with yourself. You need time to do some grieving, some get some more clarity. You need time to focus on yourself and and get into more of your own energy. Because when you do that, however you come back to her, when you do, you're going to feel stronger. You're going to feel more resourced. And you're going to make decisions that are really right and best for you. And what does this do? This is actually a gift to your mother in a way as well, because your mother gets to, you know, she's going to have a response, but you know what? That response is her work to do. It's her way. You know, if she needs help to talk it through, she should not talk it through with you. She should go talk to another adult, like a therapist, her husband, a friend. There's a lot of places your mom can get support and you shouldn't be that first one she calls. So it's, it's, it's actually a gift to her because it's causing her to get more in touch with what she needs and to get that support. And it shouldn't come from you. Yeah. 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 This is really helpful. And, um, I know that there's so many questions that I could be asking you that maybe I'm not thinking of. Is there a common question you get that you think is really impactful or something that I could be asking you that maybe I haven't thought of yet? I would just reinforce that, like, this is really important work, what you're doing that Mm -hmm. this isn't just about your mother, you know, Mm -hmm. ultimately healing the mother wound 
is, is not about our mothers in the end at all. It's really about going to a new level of growth and empowerment in ourselves as women. And it's not just about you. It's about women as a whole, because this, I honestly think when we keep ourselves small, we overfunction, we feel guilty. These are all artifacts of um, living in a, you know, a world that doesn't value women as equals, right? So it's, it's um, when we're dismantling this work, we're living it, we're living into a new way of being the way, what you're doing with your mother right now is you living into more of your empowerment, your freedom and your liberation from, you know, patriarchy. Um, and, and our mothers enact this, you know, often unconsciously from their own stuff. So it's like, you're breaking free of stuff that you've been carrying of your mother's. And as you do that, you break the chain for other generations and other women around you who you influence. Mm -hmm. So I really believe that there's nothing more important that we can do. I feel like this is the new frontier of feminism is to get to the root of our deepest patterns. And they, they form in our childhood, in our algorithms for safety. What's safe? What's not safe? Is it safe for me to say, mom, I need more time. You know, I need my space. You know, I can't be your counselor. I need you to get, you know, you need to get help from someone else. That setting boundaries like that is so powerful. It has ripple effects. It's a gift to your mother, even if she doesn't see it that way. It's a gift to yourself and the child inside of you, that little girl who's longing for more freedom, for more expression, who's mm-hmm. longing. And, and ultimately, you know, what I would be advising you if you were, you know, a student or, a, or someone I was coaching, I would say, you know, it really comes down to the inner bond that you have with your mother. Cause a little girl inside of you that wants your mother to see you and honor you. And of course she does, you know, she wants to be fully seen, but she can't be seen by your mother. But the way we help that child in you is that you become big Ashley, the mother to your little Ashley. And mm-hmm. that inner bond is really what helps you let go of needing your mother so deeply, the craving for her to be that one you start to be that mother to yourself. And as you do that, it takes time and there's a skill involved that you practice and get get the hang of it. And as you do, your algorithm for safety changes and you can start to actually go beyond the needing and the wanting the validation and the approval. We all want that. You know, that's superhuman, of course. That's that's core. That's core stuff. But we when we meet that need in ourselves, our point of reference changes. So we no longer need something from the outside. We start to get it from the inside and then everything really changes because now you can be much more like using your voice, much more um, creative, much more of service to other people when your approval isn't hanging on other people on the outside. So it's, it's super powerful, especially for a leader. And I do coach specifically women leaders around this because um, I believe that the more women leaders who are already influencing others do this deep work, it's going to have a kind of ripple effect, um, like a critical mass where more and more women are going to really have more models of what it means to be truly powerful in, in a deeply feminine, empowered way, where it's not the patriarchal model. It's it's something much deeper and powerful. Mm. I love this. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I feel like you gave me some actions to take, which means probably everybody as well got the same. And, um, can you tell everybody about your course and your book that you're working on just so that they can know to keep their eyes peeled to get your book when it's out and also just join your, one of your courses, perhaps if that's what they need right now. 
Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ashley. Um, yeah. So my book comes out January 5th. It's called discovering the inner mother, a guide to healing the mother wound and claiming your personal power that comes out January 5th. And it's basically part memoir and it's part, so it tells my story. Um, and then also it has a ton of amazing, um, you know, tips, tools, and resources in there. And then I also have a course that I've been teaching for uh, many years now. It's called, um, same name, discovering the inner mother course. And, um, it has the seven steps of how to heal the mother wound. Um, mm. so it, it just quick backdrop, you know, I got into therapy super young around 19 years old. And I was doing a kind of therapy called holistic depth psychotherapy, which is basically a deeply relational long-term therapy. So I've been with my therapist for, um, 22 years now. Wow. So it's, it's basically reworking the attachment bond. Um, so that's why I do what I do. It's because I've been really on this path, um, through my life's work. So it's a culmination of, and I have degrees in psychology. So it's, it's, it's very personal and it's, um, you know, it's backed up, um, with, you know, um, research and intergenerational trauma and stuff like that. So it's, it's a seven step process where I mapped like the major steps and milestones that you need to take. Um, to go beyond the mother wound. So that's what you get in the course. And it has um, the curriculum, but also community support, lifetime access to me and Q&A calls. So it's an amazing course. So that's available on my website. And you can find all of this at bethanywebster.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Bethany. Thank you, Ashley. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And I just want to thank you so much for being like so real and transparent about, I think you model something really powerful for um, your audience around, you know, your apprehensions about it, but also being really persistent and getting support and and seeing the value in doing this work. I think it's really inspiring. Thank you so much. So crazy. I've, I've done so many podcast interviews on topics that I feel like I've mastered somewhat, and this is not one of them. So I'm really glad to have had you on because I think a lot of people need support in the same way that I do with this topic. Moms are so sacred and there also can be really helpful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Hey guys, it's Ash here, and I have been laying on the floor of my guest room resisting this post-episode conversation, and I think it's because the conversation itself with Bethany was so on an edge for me to talk about my relationship with my mom because I love her, and of course, like she doesn't usually listen to my podcast, so I never really know if she's going to tune into the episode. Totally trust that she will if she's meant to hear it, I guess, and we've pretty much covered anything that she's heard in that conversation. But, you know, I I want to just say first in this episode conversation now that my heart goes out to you if you're experiencing a gap between where you're at and where your parents are at or where your caretaker is at or even just close people to you and your family, whether it's like a sibling or something like that, because it can be that gap can be so painful. I think All of us want to be seen. All of us want to be understood. All of us want to be validated. And far too often we buy into this fantasy bond in our head or create a relationship with our parents or our caretakers that maybe as as we grow up and we shift and we grow, we start to realize maybe that relationship we thought we had wasn't actually there. And if that's the case, it starts to kind of feel like we're naked when we realize like the bond we thought we had that we felt this sense of security in isn't necessarily the case or available. And 
in looking at that, we have to turn back to ourselves, the ultimate U-turn, and take care of ourselves, love ourselves, support ourselves, nourish ourselves, nurture ourselves. And that can be really heartbreaking sometimes. Like my mom has been incredible to me for so many reasons. First of all, she is just a good woman. But second of all, it's like anytime I was sick or I wanted to make plans, she was always available for me. She always picks up the phone for me. She's always there. And I think that this can be equally confusing in friendships where you have somebody in your life or even a relationship where they're so there for you, but the way that they know how to be there isn't what you truly yearn for. And in those moments, we have two options. Either we part ways and sever ties, or especially with family where it's a little more sticky, we move into acceptance and we love them for who they are, accept them for who they are. And this can be a really challenging process, especially if the other person wants you to change something or wants you to accommodate or be a certain type of person for them. Or maybe they are crossing a boundary for you and they want you to be fine with that and you're not. Whatever it is, uh, I want you to just right now, just as I have, tune into your family relationships or even your friendships or your love life, any relationships that are super meaningful to you uh, and ask yourself, is there one relationship where if you really get honest with yourself, you wish it was a little different than it is? And, And then I would ask yourself from there, why? Why do you wish it was different? Who do you wish they were for you? And and then finally, how can you do that work with yourself uh, and move into accepting the other person and loving them for who they are? And sometimes accepting somebody means parting ways from them. Sometimes loving somebody means not being with them. Um, in the case of family, and I feel like I kind of have the belief like, there's some sort of well-being, I think, to maintaining your family relationships. So in my case with that, I think what comes up is how can I love my mom, which is so easy to love her, but how can I spend time with her and find that middle ground? And how do I rewrite our relationship? Because there seems to be like a temporary loss where now that she doesn't, now that the kind of sheets are off and I feel like I'm kind of naked and really seeing the relationship as it is where I have this loving mother who I don't fully feel understood by. It's like, how can I find that common ground with her? And what I've been doing work on with myself is just the the word acceptance. Like, what does it mean to really accept her, accept myself, accept a situation. What stories come up for me in my head when I don't want to accept somebody or the reason why I won't accept them or a situation? What are the stories in my head that I'm saying to myself? So I write those down and then I forgive myself. And I know I've talked about self-forgiveness so many times on here, forgiving myself for buying into the belief that I need to accept my mom uh, for one reason or another and just, or, or that I'm not a good person for not accepting her or just forgiving myself for the belief that there's something wrong with me or with her or with anybody and moving into a new empowering truth, which is the truth is I get so much out of my relationship with her and she just can't meet me on certain areas. And there's so many people in my life, me being one of them for myself that can meet me on those topics and areas. So 
really important to do that forgiveness work, to do a deep dive, look at what's coming up for you with people that don't understand you, don't work for you, don't resonate for you. Uh, and, and always, you don't have to have people that you don't want in your life, but the people that you do want in your life, maybe breaking past that fantasy bond and really seeing them as they are and loving them for who they are and rewriting your relationship and reweaving it into your life in a different way, whether that means less phone calls or um, shorter get-togethers. In, and, and then taking a look at whether you're judging that or not. Sometimes we judge the way that we redo our relationships. I think there's such an opportunity to not do that. So all of this said, I'm sending you a lot of love and I hope that you are practicing kindness when you're with yourself as you look at these different wounds. Just like there's a mother, mother wound, there's a father wound, there's a sibling wound. I mean, we got wounds left and right because that is what life has. And I think that the more we can commit to ourselves and our healing, the more beautiful our relationships can be with everybody. And uh, I just invite you into that. So thanks for listening. Thanks for accepting my vulnerability. I hope it did something for you because that's why I do it. And I'm just so grateful that you're listening to the show. It means the world to me. I love this show so much and I love you guys. So thanks again. And I'll connect with you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. If any of our guests mention any resource that you're interested in, you can head on over to ashleystall.com and press the podcast tab to see any show notes. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. On that page, you're also going to see our brand new free quiz, helping you discover which career path you're actually meant for. It's followed by tons of content-packed emails about your personality in the work and of course we just can't thank you enough for your written reviews these reviews mean a lot for our show to keep getting out there so if you ever send me a dm on the gram and i'm so grateful that you have i would love it if you would copy and paste that into the podcast app of your smartphone as a written review it would mean so much for us over here at the show thanks again for being here and i can't wait to connect with you next week This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.